0: Welcome to Sudbury Scrub, a 40k podcast for the Sudbury community, and we are doing a recap episode of the uh, Beer and Pretzels Open Team Tournament 2021, the first time that we've actually had the BPO run as a team tournament, and of course I am being joined um, electronically this time by Mr. Aaron Green. Aaron, welcome.
1: thanks very much davis Uh, yeah we're just a few days out past the bpo kitty the bpo tt and man oh man what a ride it was
0: yeah definitely it was it was a big weekend um i do apologize for making it maybe a bit larger of a weekend than what you had originally thought we were going to (laughs) do
1: yeah but you know Um, what it worked out when when it was it just a, a, a twinkle in our eyes, and we weren't sure what was going to happen with the uh, with the COVID situation, we were talking. Hey, wouldn't it be right great if we could get eight teams together? We'll have forty guys together. We'll play some toy soldiers. It'll be great. And then things started looking much better in the summertime. And man, oh man, your eyes got wide like meatballs
0: or something like that. I got really excited with an opportunity. And before you knew it, you had to deal with my shenanigans of expanding this up to a 16 team event.
1: Yeah, so we had 16 teams. We had 80 players from all over Ontario, into Quebec, in fact, as well. Uh, These 16 teams came, they played five rounds of 40K, and it was a riot over at the Crusoe Club.
0: Yeah, it was a fantastic time. It was a great time. And a lot of folks from Sudbury were in attendance, which was great. Uh, We had folks from pretty much every one of the main, I would say, one of the main 40k groups in Sudbury. There were a few that were out of town that weren't able to make it, um, I know the Sturgeon Fall guys, they weren't really able to make it, there, the North Bay guys, they weren't really able to make it. But we had uh, other representation from Northern Ontario as well. There was a team from Sault Ste. Marie, and there was a team from Timmins as well, uh, Sound of Great. War. Right, so it was Rage
1: Against the Machine Spirit I think was the Sioux team, right? Yes. Sound of War was absolutely the Timmons team and then Rep and Sudbury we had the Salty Astartes which uh, and we had When Life Gives You Lemons which is Benson and Branson, Salty Astartes was Aaron Fath, Tom Dorsky, and then we had the 40k Irregulars, which were a bunch of other guys that uh, Mark Amarante got together.
0: Yeah, he pretty much struggled um, with that perpetual fifth fifth spot on his team just had a lot of trouble keeping it filled people had to move out in and out of that spot for numerous reasons um so i was really glad to see when it was like all right he's got the whole team there and that was great that was great to see uh, like almost i would say almost half of everyone in town that is a regular player was able to attend the event and the other half were honestly busy with uh, all kinds of different things in their lives, and I, I think they were living a little vicariously through some of the folks there. There was a lot of chat between people saying, like, what's going on, people that dropped in during the day. Um, heck, oh, we even great. saw the twins out there on one day. They really helped us out, too.
1: Oh, they sure did, and we'll, we'll get to that story, too. But uh, aside from the folks at Sudbury that was there, uh, we were invaded by uh, some, like, Q-list celebrities from the 40K community, if you ask. I me, mean, maybe even, like, uh, maybe the M-list too, with some of these guys from coming in from Can Hammer, Stutter Scrub, uh, all over the place. So,
0: um, lots of big moves.
1: It, it was a good show.
0: It was a, a, a pretty incredible roster. I know we were kind of describing it as a bit of a Shark Tank for some of these guys, because they're, yeah, Can Hammer, Stutter, Snot, uh, Stutter Snotling, Stutter Scrub, Stud or Scrub, scrub. that's right. That that was it. Uh, Which were uh, pretty much all made out of guys that are part of the regular Team Canada. Uh, There was also the Northern Defenders, which were the guys from Quebec that are really, really good. Uh, Bruno, he recently was victorious at the Stud or Snotling, which was a massive uh, major down in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were uh, the it's not coming to my to my tongue right at the, at the moment. Uh, not alpha nerds there. It was uh, first placeholders. again, there are people on that team that are like again in contention for being on Team Canada. So yeah, like so these guys were shark. all really good.
1: Oh my goodness and but I mean, the honor from subbury goes to salty Astardes who what was it round two or round three? They ended up going up against those uh, that canhammer team, right?
0: Uh, that was, I believe, yeah, round two that they went up against the uh, against Team Can Hammer, and oh no, no, round two they were against the Irregulars. It was round three that they yeah, went up think, against Can Hammer. Yeah, yeah, right. And, so so big, uh, big, that, big, that was big. a huge honor for them to be able to get up to that level, have a match against people that are playing at that height of the game, and be able to even walk away with a victory. Uh, I think JC with his orcs, was able to take it against, uh, who was it that he was paired up against? It was in round three, so the Salty Astardes
1: came into that, having won their first two rounds of the day on Saturday. And then round three, they came up to Canhammer, JC Demore. he played against a fella named Nicholas Blackburn. I don't have Nick's uh, list ready, but they reported it as a 10-10 tie. So that means that the game itself was uh, within five victory points of one side to the other. But regardless, those guys, they deserve to be there after winning their first two rounds, and they took a shot at it, and I hope they learned a lot from it. They were playing playing on row one at that time. Row one for the Salty Astartes. Yeah, (laughs) it was a big deal,
0: big, Mm -hmm. big deal. Yeah, Um, so I
1: mean, we're not gonna have a chance to go over every single matchup uh, name drop every single person who was there just because with 80 players man oh man there was just a lot of people playing a lot of Warhammer there.
0: An 80 player event was just ginormous it was something that I, I never thought we would be able to wrangle together that many players but I mean after the long uh the long drawn out dry spell of COVID there have been no team events in Canada extremely few team events in North America. And so the chance to actually play at one where there was a respectable number of teams was something that everyone was really, really hungry for. And I think that's one of the reasons we brought in so many teams from outside of the city. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, after that dry spell, everybody had their 40k blue balls that they just needed to uh, to deal with. And that's the thing about a team tournament is that you can you can feed off of the excitement of everybody else around you. Right. So I know for myself, just looking at that, I'm thinking, geez, come on, Can Hammer, announce your tickets. I want to go play. I want to go uh, go with the boys and have a weekend kind of thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's so much to a team event that you just don't really get from the regular one on one because, I mean, you do uh These one-on-one events, and they are great. They are fun. Uh, But at the end of the day, you're really just kind of playing for yourself. And when you hear your friends doing good or they're doing bad, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Are we, do we have a chance of playing against each other or, oh, shoot. Well, I guess you're in the bottom bracket. Go have fun kind of thing. But it's, uh, you kind of, you do tend to diverge from them. And, but when you're in the team setting, you're just so invested in how all the members of your team are doing. And it's like, okay, how do we tackle the next round? How do we plan our attack on the next group? How do I stop myself from losing a bunch of points? Or how do I really rocket myself ahead? And it's an experience that you just can't get in the one-on-one. Now, that said, it's an exo- it, it is a big experience. It is, it is a commitment, so not an easy thing to do all the time. Right. I think oh, that, that's no. one of the nicer things about doing the regular GTs and stuff and doing the regular majors is that you can, the regular tournaments, is that you can kind of get in, you can drop in and do your stuff and be done. Uh, whereas with the team event, you really have to get together as a team, and so that's, that we're, that uh, commitment takes a lot of effort.
1: Oh yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to it. We're going to list off all the pros just because we're, we're pretty high coming off of this thing, but later I mean, I'll tell you what. In the middle of December, December thirteenth, fourteenth, we're going to be telling you how great singles are when we're doing the Grinning Demon Singles Tournament, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so it all de- it all depends on what you're playing at the time.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, I would just say, regardless of what's coming up and whatnot, do try to make in the future room for a team event at some point. Even oh, after yeah. this one, everyone's coming off of it. Everyone's like high as a kite right now on it, and. There's talk of like for Canhammer, which is going to be in April, of there being at minimum three teams from Sudbury going to Canhammer. maybe four, maybe more. <laughs> Everybody uh, depending just will on the how much we'll people really dive into it, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I know I'm starting to talk with some of the other uh, teams in town, just trying to see how many tickets we're going to need to buy, and it's really exciting. So hopefully we can get a big crew together um, in the next little while anyways. So, so we had an event we got yeah. there on Friday morning and we started working to get the Crusoe club organized. Um, we had six feet between all the tables um what we did for some of them is we had four eight foot tables put together we would put a five foot play mat on either side and have six foot in between and then if you looked at the pictures we would have six feet to the next row of tables etc there was all kinds of room at the crucial club and i think that was just great to start on friday
0: that uh, requirement for space was something that i was so happy for and i was honestly really looking forward to seeing it in action because a, you know, we've all played at a bunch of events where you're kind of rubbing asses with the guy behind you, you're having to say, oh, excuse me, excuse me, you know, trying to get through on things. Uh, When you have all that extra space, it's very relaxing. It's very, you know, you can kind of be a little bit looser. I know myself, I'm a very animated fellow, I, I can move my arms around a whole bunch. And... When you're tight with somebody, you know, I run the risk of hitting other people's stuff. I got to be very, very careful of that because I know the kind of person I am. And I usually don't, but (laughs) you can hear stories from people where I have knocked over their models or armies. And that's really bad. (laughs) So having that space is really great for that. And even though it got... and, And that's kind of one of the funny things about this, right, is that we planned this event with the idea that, hey, we're going to be in still a a restrictive COVID environment where everyone's going to be masked up. We figured everybody was going to be vaccinated by that point. So we made it a requirement um, once the government said, hey, look, you need to have this to attend events. We're like, well, that's what the we kind of called it a few days ahead of time saying, look, it looks like the government's going to call this. So we're just telling you, if, if they call it, we're going to do it. and. like three days later it happened so it happened um, yeah
1: yeah so so we got the tables organized we ended up uh, getting a bunch of standardized terrain which was a whole other conversation for a whole other night Uh, the pros and cons of running standardized terrain for all your tables but uh, what we ended up doing is every row we had five tables on because i mean you're a five-man team so it's five games going at once. Three of those tables were all standard terrain. And then two of the tables were like, we were calling them personal collections, right? Like my terrain, your terrain. We got some from uh, all kinds of different subgrid teams and uh, some of the traveling teams too, to fill out
0: our tables. Because again, we needed 40 tables of terrain. It was insane. It was It was really crazy to try to get all those ones put together because yeah, like we've done it before where Stop. a lot of personal collections have been out for tables at events and they can be a little divisive, divisive right? Because the way that we all play is is different and that's a, that's a strength, but at the same time when you have um, a team tournament which relies so much on the idea that it's not just trying to match up your best armies with each other, but you're also trying to match them up on the right table. We really wanted to try to offer a little bit more than that. And then we got that opportunity through the Hooded Goblin, which is the whole reason that we were able to expand it to 16 teams. Where it's like, hey, how many tables do you need? And we threw him a number and we made a good deal on it where we're, he was able to just kind of provide a smorgas- almost half of all the tables there.
1: Combine oh, yeah, that with some wild. of the
0: others that were also produced by the same guy that were just being held by some other teams, and we we're able to have like almost a third of all the table. Well, more than a third. We were able to have over half of all the Three tables. Three out of five. Three yeah. out of five of our tables were all a standard design, which again, to your point,
1: uh, in a singles event, you would probably want standard tables at all your top tables so that you get a consistent experience. But in a team's event, we're picking which table you want to fight the Admech gun line or whatever on it matters right like if you're playing Admech and you're going up against a swarm of Tyranids you want Planet Bowling Ball and Planet Bowling Ball was potentially an option on some of our rows anyways yeah. so we, we and you know, know what's an interesting
0: thing we'd actually after the event we ran um a survey which technically is still open but we haven't received any responses in the past day so I don't think we're going to get a whole lot Um, but about 61% of the respondents, they said that they enjoyed the personal collections. Yet, um, a bunch of people, even though that they enjoyed the personal collections, they still had a lot of problems with it. There were still a lot of players that said, you know, that there are too many rules disputes that occur with them. Um, especially for one row where we had this one table caused a lot of issues, almost not quite half, but nearly half of the respondents uh, that answered the, the question uh, were saying, hey, you know what, this, this, ta- this row here had this personal terrain collection that wasn't great. So, like, I've really enjoyed that we had those standardized tables because it's really great for those that are trying to plan things out. There's definitely a lot of people that like the personal collection tables, but uh, they're tricky because those personal collections lead to these odd things. That Sky Shield landing pad that we've had around forever is just been a problem every single edition of the game since we got it.
1: Oh yeah, and I mean, it doesn't matter what rules that we give to it, nobody reads them and then they get stuck playing with a regular old Sky Shield landing pad. So for example, if anybody was on that row, for those who are listening, I said, hey, make it, play it as a ruin, don't go underneath it, the bottom of it blocks line of sight, done. Nobody read that because it was on the third page of the terrain rules, and and so they just complained about it instead,
0: which is fine. Anyways. I did did say we should have put boxes (laughs) underneath that thing so you couldn't see around it. Anyway, so so enough about the terrain. We're already 15
1: minutes into this darn thing. Um, we had players that started showing up on Saturday, and they were all amped for the first round. And it was so cool. As people started coming in around quarter after 8 in the morning, 8.30, the hum just kind of came up, and it just started to rise a little bit. It built. And then 9 o'clock, we finished our... Um, opening announcements for the day and we said the
0: dice are on and that place just erupted Boom! they were off to their different groups they were chatting amongst themselves they were the the captains were meeting up saying all right let's throw this down because i mean by this point everybody had had a week to review each other's lists Uh, there were a few like last minute pull-ins and dropouts stuff like that for you know honest reasons but uh everyone was like you said they, got, they had the blue balls on they were they were ready to shoot their load all over the place and just be like this is what i'm throwing down and so they got to go right into it so that first round took off with a bang
1: oh yeah so we got through the first round. Um, I think Sudbury did pretty well out of that round. The Salty Astartes won 40k Irregulars run. Um, oh, nuts! So, I just closed it to see if the Lemons also picked up a first round win out of there. I'm not sure if they did. Um, uh, but at any rate, Lemons
0: went up against the Irregulars in the first round, and the, Allegu- oh, the Irregulars yeah. took it in that yeah in that grudge match. So the Lemons they did they did lose their first round, but they lost it to another Sudbury mm-hmm. team. So. At the end of the first round, we had guaranteed one Sudbury team (laughs) making it into the second round. But we ended up with two, which is even better.
1: Right. And then in round two, I think that the 40K Irregulars, that was the Mark Camarante group, Andrew Bowering, Chris Champagne, Jesse Jordan, and Ken Burns, they went up against the saltiest startings in round two. So, So the Irregulars haven't left the hometown yet and so they came up against jc and tyler and aaron fath and wade and tomas and uh, as we spoiled earlier the salties pulled that out to go up to nothing uh, after the first
0: two and you know what actually you team. know i'm just looking at it right now at how the scores all matched up and here's an amazing thing this is one of the things that we always talk about with team events and it, it plays through right here um one the coolest thing about a team event is that if you even if you lose your match if you do well enough that you you, it's not a high scoring or it's a high scoring loss for you you're still helping your team and in this case jc won his game against ken 19 to 1 and tyler won his game against andrew 20 to 0 but the salties they lost their three other rounds. Their three other matches. They Aaron Veth lost to Christian, Wade lost to Jesse, and Tomas lost to Mark. But even though they lost, they scored well enough that their team won because none of them were blowouts. Like Tomas right. to Mark was, he lost 9 to 11. That's like one that, that's literally 5 points that's off a of six, a tight game. Yeah,
1: it's a 6 victory point game.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. you know. So Wade so those scores, once you add it all together, the Salties had more points than the Irregulars, and they won, and that's yeah. it. You know, So it, that's, a, that's a big deal. And so like, just by taking those right matches at the time that they needed to, and each point, like even Wade, his five points there for his GSE, if he was just down, if, if that one had gone 20-0 the other way, the Irregulars would have won it. And so right. that's that's how big a deal it is, right? So so great job to the salties
1: for like I'm going to call that masterful masterful matchmaking before the game. Give them all the credit for that. If that's the case, Absolutely. or not that's the story. So the other Sudbury team in round two was uh, when life gives you lemons, play Warhammer, and they were going up against Labyrinth Games. And Labyrinth Games had a huge weekend. Um, so this would be Brandon Cook, it'd be Benson Gilbert, Keith Hansen, Andrew Dipso, and uh, Blake. Sorry, Blake, your last name escapes me here. Inchberger, through it, Inchberger. Anyways, so they were going up against um, a, a crew from Barry, who um, is sporting one of the top Chaos Knights players and one of the top Tyranitz players from the last. From the last couple of years, at least in the Canadian circuit, and so uh, when life gives you lemons, they didn't have very much luck in the second round either, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that was a that was a, a rough. They got twenty would three of their tables. Ouch! But I mean, yeah, bad yeah. Christopher Rice is a uh, a staple Tyranid player. I think we've I've seen him at every event for in Sudbury that's been held for like the last four or five years. Oh yeah. And uh, so, one of the, their, their other guy, I'm not too sure which one it was. Was it Danny? It might have been Danny. The one that was their Chaos Knight player. I, I mm-hmm. think is the uh, second rated Chaos Knight player in the world. So yeah, like, yeah. he's pretty good with them, you know? He
1: was pretty good. <laughs> so they were smashing face. They were taking names. And uh, I know the lab, they were planning on doing really well this weekend. They had a good show. Absolutely. So here... Just as before we start and go into round three, one of the survey questions that we had was, in a three round day, how long should the rest be in between game two and game three? Now we had, we had three hour rounds on the day and there were very few games that went the full three. So when we built the schedule, we thought that, hey, just 15 minutes would be enough time
0: in between game two and game three. Now, the survey. Especially because you're up. kind of thinking that a bunch of players with a three hour round, a they'll bunch of players for are hour. going to be done in like two hours and they're off for coffee or they're off for a beer or something like that. Uh, it's only the ones that go down to time that even those players that go to time, they'll still get 15 minutes to kind of take a seat, right? They're not rushing to their next table. Right.
1: But the feedback is make that 20 or 30 minutes. So we'll take well, that home for next time.
0: Yeah, we're definitely going to have to consider it because, I mean, a third of all the respondents said that, hey, they'd want even longer. So, mm-hmm. definitely something for us to consider. Uh, right. Absolutely.
1: So, going into round three, um, we finally get some divergence from the Sudbury teams um, on row number seven. We've got when life gives you lemons again. That's Brandon's team uh, going up against the Atomic Death
0: Squad. Now, ADS, Man, the the Atomic Death Squad, they're a great bunch of guys. And the fun thing is, both these teams have yellow jerseys. Uh, the Atomic <laughs> Death Squad, that they're, they're like more like a Boston Bruins kind, where it's like black mainly, and then it's like a little bit of of yellow and white. Uh, and the lemons—they were almost, almost entirely yellow, just a little bit of mm-hmm. black. So we we're saying that this was the battle for who gets to wear the color yellow. That's right. Um,
1: and our boys from Sudbury, the lemons—they brought it home. They had a big win this round, 73 to 27. Yeah. And I'm just looking. Uh, I'm looking at the scores here, and two of our guys put up 20 O's, and then another 16-4 win for Blake, and another 13-7 win for Benson. That was a quality round for them.
0: That was, that was a big round for sure. Um, and you know what? The, the guys from Atomic Death Squad, I remember seeing their lists kind of going into this and just having a howl that almost every single one of these guys was bringing something Titanic. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it was because it's like, all right, we haven't been to a team event in forever. Let's go ahead and do this and have fun and show people our collections. I think that might have been the case because they had some gorgeous titanic models that stompa was a, a, a joyous thing to see at the tables oh my goodness it had a cannon i'm not saying this is what it was
1: made of but the gun on the side of that stompa was at least the size of like a bounty paper towel roll it was huge <laughs> anyways up on route row number five we've got uh, the 40k irregulars that's jesse and ken and mark and Andrew and christian they're going up against scotch hammer um, this was another big round for Sudbury to do, but I can't tell you enough about Scotch Hammer without telling you about their late, late substitution.
0: Oh, yes. Yes, because the teams from Sudbury, they were able to work their way into some other teams here. We had one gentleman uh, that signed up kind of at the last minute saying, hey, do you need mercenaries? And it was a post I had put up. A long time back, saying, "Hey, look, guys, if you don't have a team to play on, if you think you might have, if you just think you might have the day available, and you're not sure, sign up as a mercenary. Have your army ready to come in that day, because we all know drops happen. We all know stuff happens, and it does. There there were uh, there were at least two people that weekend that at the last minute weren't able to make it, and one team they had a coach ready to sub in." And the other Hammer here, they didn't have anybody. And their guy was literally like saying, You guys drive ahead, I'm gonna meet you guys there. And by the time they got here, they were all like, their heads were in, th- in their hands saying, Oh my god, this guy's messaged us now saying that he's not able to make it any longer. What are we gonna do? I'm like, guys, don't worry. You know, I've activated the mercenary. And the mercenary in this case was Dante. Dante, oh, Dante. with his blood he- angels came to the rescue of Scotch Hammer, sweep, swooping in on angelic wings of Blood Angel Fire to deliver this team many 0-20s throughout the day. <laughs> yeah, Dante, thanks a lot for coming
1: out. Uh, I'm glad you were paired with those guys. They were they were just at Orion. But I'm sorry, you need to buy new dice. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the case. That was the case for this round. Um, the 40K Irregulars, they put up a big day uh, with Mark, Andrew, and Christian all putting up 20 0 wins. Um, Jesse got a tight win, 11 9, and uh, Ken was the only loss for his side uh, with an 18 2 to Scotch Hammer.
0: Yeah. So, no, and you know what? I, I love the Scotch Hammer guys. They are, uh, they really represent a lot that's best about the sport and a lot about the hobby they have fun they play as hard as they can um, but they're there to have a good time and to make sure you have a good time too and for that reason I think actually Dante was a fantastic mix with their team because anyone that knows Dante and has played a game against him knows that he is a fun guy to play with Um, so if you've had a game against Dante that's the kind of game that you get against Scotch Hammer and just that scotch hammer usually rolls better than dante but you know same (laughs) attitude so that's that's what's truly a gem about them
1: perfect and then up on row number one we've got uh these this traveling team called can hammer i don't know if you've ever heard of them yeah no Uh, they they were going up against not
0: a big deal right
1: (laughs) yeah they were going up against Sudbury's finest the saltiest areas and uh, as we alluded to earlier, I think the Salties flew a little close to the sun in this round, don't you?
0: You know, I was listening to the Canhammers podcast this week, and they went through all their rounds, and they had nothing but the nicest things to say about the Salty Starting saying, like, wow, these guys are really great. A lot of them were, they, they were a lot of fun. Obviously, they're like, they were a little intimidated. <laughs> by us it's like you know you're going up against canhampton this is they're like this is you know one of the local teams here that that you know is doing really well they're up at 3-0 up to this table and all the matches they said were good matches even though you know, on the scores here, may not really look at it on the table. Apparently, it was causing them. Uh, there were some real challenges that they had to face in this. Oh um, yeah, I mean, especially,
1: especially Wade Owl and his uh, gene stealer
0: cult. I'm sure Canhammer looks at that and says, "Does
1: anybody know what gene stealers do?" <laughs>
0: Yeah, they they, they, just, they look over at, at the guy that's practically a teammate for them over at the stutter scrub, Dustin Henshaw. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Dustin would do it. You're right. But anyways, no. I don't but know if I, we... but that's the thing. They they are like, okay, these guys, and and you know, that's one of the other things I said. Is that like, with the exception of the Gene Stealer Cult, um, all these lists were like top tier lists. It's like they're bringing, they they're, they're they're bringing the fire. They're here to they're here to play. Right there. Don't discount this. We don't know well, how good these guys are, and uh, so they they made it a tough game. They played for they played for blood, and even Wade. You know Wade's been doing great. Wade's just started at this. Uh, there's some contention, I would say, this year for what uh, for player of the year, uh, which I guess we're going to have to call out something for the Grinning Demon tournament coming up because we're. I think we got a few players that are in contention for that. Oh yeah, and I mean or newbie I, of the year. I, I don't newbie know. of the year. That's it.
1: I don't know specifically what Wade brought, but if he was still bringing all those flamethrowers, he got clared into the Drukari player, and uh, that might have just given him fits too. If Wade hit with those hand flamers and those heavy rock saws, it might have been a totally different score.
0: Absolutely, it, it can be really a challenge when somebody knows how to use all those guys. Like it, it's it's a tough list. It is a tough list to play right now. I'm not gonna lie. I know from experience. Um, <laughs> It can win. It, it it can get points out of nowhere, and then but nowhere. it can also you get hit from the wrong angle, and you can just evaporate. And I understand that it, it was a turn two. He got removed from the table, so I mean, Oof. obviously, these guys know their shit. This is Can Hammer here, but they had nothing but great things to say about these guys. So uh, again, Congrats huge props. I'm hoping that everyone that was involved in that match. They learn from that because we want to take it to them. We want the rematch. I want to see the rematch happen next year, at the, or heck, even before next year. I want to see them have that rematch down in, in Ottawa. But if, hey, it, if it's not until next year, then I want to see it next year. Uh, I want Can Hammer to fight the Salties again, and for the Salties to say, all right, guys, we are gunning for them. Like, make their lists to fight them.
1: <laughs> grudge them. Can Hammer Teams Tournament. Salties grudge Can Hammer calling it
0: that back. should be the case <laughs>
1: Yeah. okay so that's the end of round one everybody got out of there i don't know 7 seven thirty 30 in the evening i know i got home to put my kids to bed which was great i couldn't believe we stayed on schedule like that for one
0: yeah um, no we actually did a, a, a that's one of the things i've heard from a lot of folks um both like during the event and after the event a lot of people saying you know i'm, I'm really it was a really well run event in that you guys really kept things on the right schedule, and I think that part of that is just you know giving people the time to get their games in, um, telling, keeping people informed about the clock, having the display up there uh, was really helpful for a lot of people. We had projector. Um, day one we only had the one projector figured out. Day two we actually figured out how to do multiple projectors. Oh, great. <laughs> And then but, uh, starting day two, starting yeah.
1: day two Sunday morning on row number six, we had When light Gives You Lemons going against up against 40k Unfiltered, which is another shark of a team, right? Uh, 40k Unfiltered has got uh, Team Canada candidates, Tim Leafs, it's got Jeff Brown, it's got Devin Swant, uh, Billy Backhurst has won a BPO or two in his day. And another fella named Derek, who I don't know much about. Anyways, uh, when life gives you lemons, they they brought it to forty k unfiltered, but unfortunately, didn't work out for them.
0: No, not not in that much, for sure. Um, yeah, that 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 is a, a team full of good players. Absolutely. Ish. Big time. Big time. But then. Um,
1: Oh not so. So the saltiest Astartes
0: went into onto table four after uh after Canhammer there. And you know, they ended up going into not an easy match. Like sometimes once you you know you fly close to the sun like that, you take the loss eventually, and you kind of come back down. You're you're expecting to fight other people that are kind of in your bracket, and but they end up pairing up against wow, big dice energy. Again, another like we're saying, kind of a shark tank out there. Look, they, they got Jeremy Atkinson on this list. They got Zach Comeau, Zachary Prinsloo. Like these, Gene Mason, these are, are good players. Right, and in fact, Jeremy Atkinson, he had the best individual
1: performance out of everybody that weekend. Um, and he got his points out of Aaron Fath, that's for sure.
0: Well, it definitely was looking like uh, Sudbury was was taking a bath on round four here. How did yeah, not- the regulars do? Uh, salty Astaris didn't go well. The 40K regulars, they were all the way up
1: on table number two against Labyrinth Games. And as we told you, Labyrinth Games before um, was in for a good weekend, and Sunday morning ensured that they were gonna be in for a good weekend. Um, all of Mark and Andrew and Ken, they all got walloped. Uh, props to both Jesse for winning his game and to Christian for keeping it close on an 12 loss. Um, but it was not a good morning for Sudbury.
0: <laughs> no, definitely not there. But, uh, but at the same time, you know, some good matches for sure.
1: Right. And then finally, row number one. Now, the thing before about we go... Six, yeah. The thing about having 16 teams in a five-round event is that uh, going into round four, you're only going to have two teams that are that are three and out. Oh. The two undefeated teams met on row number one on Sunday morning. That was the Stutter Scrub team versus Canhammer
0: that was uh they were gonna meet eventually sometime that weekend and going into this they were both three and oh and they had actually just had sushi the night before together against each other and it was very friendly and then going into this match they were trying to both teams are trying to master the pairings and like try to get the matchups that they wanted and my understanding is that uh Canhammer really walked away from those pairings feeling good about yeah, how they had matched things up.
1: Right, and in fact, only one of Canhammer had a really a really rough game, where uh, Riven Martinez took the mirror match against Francois Alone. That was Dark Elder on Dark Elder, and Riven pulled one of the only two wins for Stutter Scrub in that fourth
0: round. I'd like to point out. That Dustin Henshaw, with his Tyranids and Gene Stealer Cult, was able to bring a very tight 11-9 victory up against Grey Knights.
1: Whew. Yeah, so yeah the possible, Grey Knights of Nicholas Blackburn. Was Was Dustin running all of those uh, crazy Hive Guard and stuff this weekend too?
0: He was. His list was very, very, very much a Tyranid list. It was almost entirely Tyranids, um, but it did have. A good contingent of Gene Stealer Cult in it. Uh, from what I understand, they were really there to kind of run um, Blip tokens and to really control the movement of your opponent and keep them off of objectives, so that the Hive keep them away from the Hive Guard, so the Hive Guard can just keep firing and firing and firing and firing and firing. Mm-hmm. Which, especially with the new rules out of Octarius, uh, is a big deal. And there are a lot of people saying that, hey, Hive Tyrants. Tiernins are apparently a really good faction right now on the backs of Hiveguard. So things that you can do to make the Guard continue working, like having, like, hey, I got blip token. Seriously, you just can't come here. Pretty good. Pretty
1: good. Okay, so we're going into the fifth round. Can is the only undefeated team left. We'll get to them. Let's talk about Sudbury some more over on row number seven. We've got yeah. Scotch Hammer, led by Dante, uh, going up against <laughs> When Life Gives You Lemons. <laughs> so, again, great for Scotch Hammer, great for When Life Gives You Lemons. This was probably just a riot of an afternoon trying to get it done. I think Brandon was joking about just lining everything up and having the big apocalypse game, but uh, they didn't do that.
0: Yeah, Brandon no, there, there was. Uh, there was, uh, I think it was uh, the Lemons, and I can't remember if it was Atomic Death Squad. Or if it was one of the, uh, maybe Rage Against the Machine Spirit, one of those guys put in the captain's chat saying, All right, guys, let's do this apocalypse game for the final match. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I'll tell yeah. you what,
1: Brandon and Andrew, they had apocalyptic scores. They both put up 20 wins for them, so good show. Keith also put up a 17 3 win. Uh, Blake took a draw. Benson was the only boss for that Lemons team this round.
0: Yeah, up against Glenn. And again, just want to say, you know, it it was definitely a good fight. Everyone was happy to walk away from that one. Uh, The Irregulars met Sound of War on Table 6. So this Sound of War group, they they were from, they're the ones that are from Timmins. So hi guys, in case you hear this, we would love to have you guys there. Uh, Sound of War... They just started playing competitive games like a month ago, two months ago now, mm-hmm. I guess. And uh, but they got came, they, good for them. They came up to Sudbury for this, and I think they've been bitten by the bug. I think so too. They they
1: they were pretty high when they left. They were they were buzzing quite a bit. Anyways, in this round we had uh, Ken Burns put up a 20-0, Mark put up a 19-1, Christian 19-1. Uh Jesse Jordan took a draw 10-10 and so did Andrew Bowering and his sisters. Um yeah, another 10-10 win or 10-10. So driver. good for,
0: good for them, you know? Like that's that's tough to do and especially these guys are pretty new. Meanwhile, like Jesse's no slouch when it comes to those Chaos Knights. So a 10-10 score is really good against them.
1: <laughs> Super good. And then uh, the salties they're playing it back. They've returned to the top half of the tournament. They're on row four against Rage of the Machine Spirit.
0: Yeah, but they I, had, I, I, uh, again, it was after flying close to Canhammer. there, I think, uh, wow, man, these are close scores. I'm just seeing here 10-10, 10-10, 9-11, 9-11. When it's like that, one game can make the difference.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I'm not gonna call out the name of the player who took the 0 to 20, which really snapped the round in the favor of Rage Against the Machine Spirit, but uh, that was some really good pairings by the captains to have four, four of the five games being so tight.
0: Yeah, that is uh, some some really challenging matches. Mm-hmm. So the interesting thing for the end of this, oh wait, we had a table zero? How the hell did that yeah. happen? Uh, just Aaron.
1: Trust the algorithm. We had a table zero trust the that algorithm. Played on row eight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we had, uh, even though, so Canhammer takes it against uh, the Stutter Scrub in round four. So into round five, they're going up against another team that is four and one. And Three that's and one, yeah. really interesting because at that point, there are a lot of players that they, they could, a lot of teams that they could be matched up against. And you could end up with a winner. That has gone. Sorry, the other team had gone. All the other teams have gone three and one so far. That had a chance against them. So it could be that there would be like I think three. There could be upwards of three teams that were going to be four and one by the end of the tournament. So the only way to make this a clean event was for Canhammer to go a clean five and zero and just cement themselves as all right. We we have won. We got nobody behind us. But they had to fight through. The first placeholders to do it,
1: mm-hmm. and well, they did. Canhammer <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, put up a seventy-one to twenty-nine win. Uh, there was one draw, and then Canhammer took the other four tables. So uh, they had a really, really good event.
0: Yeah, oh, which was just great. And then we had some fun prizes. Uh, we actually had a donation prize as well. Actual, well, let's go through some of these prizes. I mean, we had Canhammer uh, winning. Uh, for the top place finish, which is really fantastic, but the best individual player was Jeremy Atkinson. Uh, Mark Amarante won best presentation, so we actually had a Sudbury boy win that one. And I saw some players. There are some players that have some beautifully painted armies, and they saw Mark put up that giant display board with the set, with the lights and the moving bits and the music, and just it, it, this was an intense and massive monument to 40 K and people saw this and they're like, yeah, I'm not even putting up my stuff. So <laughs> I think yeah, they were told I mean, of like, check,
1: check out the pictures. We had uh, some other cool stuff there. We had um, Jesse put up his nights, which, which got some attention, hopefully a couple of book sales as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I do out. want
0: to point out that, you know, there were still some other very, very gorgeous, um, armies like, oh, yeah, uh, there yeah. was the one army that was from the Northern Defenders. I can't think of his name, but it was uh, a Dark Eldar and I think Harlequin mix that were gorgeous. Uh, there was uh, Benson Gilbert, he had his traitor guard that were just stunningly converted.
1: Mm-hmm. And Benson, in fact, he took second place on that uh, painting prize there the pres- best presentation. He was second behind Mark.
0: Yeah, so we're yeah, really so well both done. Sudbury. Actually, that the number that the top two presentations were both Sudbury teams. Mm-hmm. So well done. Um,
1: aside from that, we had a um, we had our Joe Average prize, and for some <laughs> reason, I said I, I looked up at you, Davis. I said, Davis, we've got an odd number of teams. Is it going to be the team number seven or team number eight in no, the no, final No, no, no. We, we
0: we had. We had, we had an even number of teams Oh, even number of teams, that, so is it
1: going to be 7 or 8?
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, just off a whim, I'm like, 7 Because they're a little bit higher, so, you know, give it to them If you're going to have two people that are in contention for Joe Average Just give it to the one that's a little bit better average <laughs> And that ended up going, like, we're now calling this the Mark Amarante uh, Average The Mark Amarante Dice or something, I don't know This guy just cannot escape Joe Average. It haunts him at this point. But. Yeah, (laughs) They got it. (laughs) They got it. They got it. And
1: arbitrarily.
0: Arbitrarily.
1: Arbitrarily, but very innocently, the 40K Irregulars are our Joe Average team.
0: Yeah. And and it's just. That was just hilarious. Um. And then we did a bunch of raffle prizes where it was just like we called up every team had them uh you know it's like all right guys pick one from the table just in the order and there were some really big prizes we had eighteen hundred dollars well we had more than eighteen hundred dollars worth just because we had some uh, extra support from the two main game stores in town as well as some support from creature caster uh, which was really appreciated as well so it was a, there was quite a score of stuff to get there.
1: There sure was. So I also want to call out the top performing individual performance coming out of Sepri this weekend. And that was uh, to Christian Champagne and his Dark Angels. Christian ended up winning four games on the weekend. He took 71 of a possible 100 points. Uh, he placed 13th overall out of the 80 players on pure battle points.
0: See, I, I, I want to see Christian go up against Wade again. So that we can do this whole like, you know, best new player in Sudbury. Yes, that's right. I, I I think that's that's where it's going to be against. It's going to be Wade versus Christian, and that's where we're we're going to see this. Um, but speaking of, we did have a prize for the best performing Sudbury team because that was a donation prize, uh, from the. From uh, what was Beyond. it from? Bloodbath and Beyond, Beyond. that was it. Yeah. Bloodbath and Beyond had donated. They went to Great Canadian and they picked up um, another gift card, set of gift cards. And they specifically said, we want these to go to the top Sudbury team here. And uh, so we said, sure thing. And uh, so there we go. That was the top. Now, just because the Joe Average team had already won a prize... And it's like, well, we're not going to give them extra stuff there, so we're going to give it to the next one down, so we gave that to the saltiest Stardies. So, uh, that, you know, everyone got to leave with something, which was really great. Great.
1: Okay, so then that we said, had a clean up afterwards. I mean,
0: oh. I don't think there was a real clean winner between the Sudbury teams there that weekend. We all ended at close to around the same values. Um, you know, Salties and the Salties the, the irregulars beat out the Salties by ending higher, but the Salties did beat the irregulars too, right? So, I don't think there's a clear winner there. I think that there's going to have to be some kind of rematch in the future where these teams uh kind of they, they go head to head against each other again. I'd love to see that. Hey there's always a chance for all ten of those guys to grudge each other for the first round of the Grinning Demon Grand Tournament. Absolutely. Alrighty. Well, I think that just about covers all the main stuff that happened this weekend. It was a phenomenal time uh, seeing all the players go up against each other, match their wits, match, match up the tables. Thanks again to everybody that had brought tables. I know I contacted probably just about every single person in Sudbury to try to make this happen Um, but you know it it happened and it happened because these people stepped forward and they said yeah let's do it so again thank you to everyone for that I'm just glad that everyone had a good time that we had a safe time and that uh, I think we're going to try to make the BPO be a team event uh, next year as well I'm really looking forward to it everybody should be good excellent Thank you so much everyone for listening, keep on wargaming, keep scoring those primaries.